we could start again, honey, darling. Uh, I'd like to go there with you. Does he say honey, darling? Because that seems more like something. Someday, not baby. Him I'm going to put a big fat, ba- I'm going to put a big fat baby in that belly. Someday, baby. We're going to go down. talk like that. Someday, baby. We're going to go down. We're going to go down south. I'm going to put a big fat, I'm going to put a big fat baby in that belly. No, that's not what Teddy says. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to put a baby in that belly. <laughs> Welcome back to Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm joined by Jessica. Today, we're going to be talking about the third episode called The Stray. I'm very excited to talk about this episode. The show continues to reveal deep layers. It continues to reveal lots of bony, bony, uh, excuse me, meaty, meaty bones. Oh, my God. I'm like, bony, bony what? Bony, bony, bony. Uh, Lots of uh, meaty bones to pick over. Uh, He also said you interrupt me a lot. And... um, that's true. And uh, we're going to talk today. So let's do this. We're going to start with some opening impressions about this. Uh, maybe talk about the series as a whole, because obviously it's very concurrent. Everything's running together. There's plenty to discuss. And uh, I would like to start by welcoming my lovely co-host, Jessica, to the table. And um, and despite you getting mixed reviews on iTunes from a listener, I am not going to fire you. So please... Indulge us with A, who would you sleep with in this episode? <laughs> B, what thoughts have you pilfered from the internet? Because, you know, there's, I have no original there's so many original thoughts out there with the internet. Um, and uh, three, uh, I don't care if you were sick. That nasally voice of yours has got has to gotta change. So let's, maybe we can do something to, to fix you, to make everyone happy. If I was a robot, you could. A robot. Um, no, I'm, in all seriousness, um, obviously I'm kidding about that. Give me your overarching thoughts on The Stray. What were some high points? Were there low points? Um, what stood out to you? What are you looking forward to getting into this week, Jessica? I liked this episode a lot. I feel like we got into some more mythology about the park, which I liked, uh, and about the idea behind these hosts and all that jazz. Um, I like their little dig at basically writers in general, how Teddy has this overwhelming constant guilt but he doesn't know why because they never gave him a backstory right and i loved ford asking him about wyatt and him being like who and then he just uploads the memory all of a sudden we see teddy remembering this as if it happened it's so so cool um it's really interesting i like to see how the hosts work and how quickly they can move things around um so yeah, I liked this episode a lot. I thought it was really, really interesting. There was a lot going on. Low point, eh, I mean, there was a lot of Stubbs and Elsie that I didn't care a super lot about, but I'm sure it'll come back and be important later. Right. Not enough, William. Uh, no you, man in black. You are, you're just in a quick flash, you are not a fan of Elsie at all. No, I'm really not. I don't know why. I just don't like her. That's very objective. I hope you get a one-star review for that. I will. Maybe you can tell me why. What's your problem with I just feel like I I don't understand her her character. She seems useless. I really don't get her job. In the first episode, I thought she was someone who was new to the job, and that's why she was acting in the strange way she was acting, making out with robots. Mm -hmm. Now I realize she's been on the job forever, and she's a regular, and this is like her thing, so I don't understand why she acted like a newbie in the first episode. And I still don't understand her. I don't know. I just don't understand her. I don't understand her job. 
I don't understand what she's supposed to do. Is she supposed to go on adventures so with effort, Stubbs? Is she supposed to talk to Bernard? Is she? I just don't get it. In an effort to try to remain objective, what do you like about her? If I if I told you, you are the defense team. You are legally obligated to defend her in court. What could you come up with about Elsie that you think you that what what would be your defense? Oh God, this is hard. Um, I mean. At least she seems smart and she's picking up on things that right. are important. Like, okay. the, you know, she won't let a, whatever they, what I say? You know, don't let dead dogs lie or something like that. Like, so she won't leave it be the Abernathy and Walter stuff. But uh, it's good right. that she won't leave it be because I, that's I showing us that things are continuing and that's bringing up further plot points. So I guess she's got that going. Yeah, I, I like her more now than I did before, um, which I'm going to, I'm going to talk about for just a minute and then you can continue. But I like the idea that she does represent a, almost a common voice in that group of geniuses that says this just doesn't sit right with me. I'm not going to let it go uh, because it seems like so many other people have different things going. Like Teresa doesn't really care about the wise. I love her either. She just cares about the final, about, about the bottom line. That's her job. So she's doing her job successfully. Bernard has this intellectual curiosity about it. Uh, that goes probably deeper because he knows what's going on. He's doing some stuff behind the scenes that he shouldn't. Uh, who knows what motivates Ford at this point? Uh, I do want to talk about him today. But Elsie um, seemed, and, and Stubbs is just a point me in the direction of the thing that I need to fix. I'll fix that thing. But Elsie, he's not a dummy, which I he's like. He's not a dummy. Nobody, you, I don't think you can work for this these people and be a dummy. I think you have to have a lot of competence. But I think like with him, he's like, I'm the head of security. And you'd be like, okay, meathead. But he's like, oh, he knows the constellations and he's thoughtful. Like, I think sure. he's a pretty three-dimensional character for a pretty small character yeah i think they all have some dimension to them that will be peeled back over time uh, i like Stubbs um because he is a security guy and security guys have to be more than meatheads they have to be they have to pay attention to things they have to have a lot of different skills they have to there's a lot of that goes into that and um and i like elsie's sort of dog on the bone thing where she just won't let go of the fact that something is amiss and um, it's in her head. And I wonder uh, the, the show is clearly interested in Elsie and they're going to probably do her more and more, give her more and more to do as time goes on. But um, well, what else did you like? Um, that's, I mean, those are pretty much my opening thoughts. I thought this was a good episode. It was very interesting to me. I didn't feel like they tried to do too much per se. Um, I feel like we're growing our storylines and I do feel like every week we get a little bit more of somebody different like they're doing the the best they can with a huge ensemble cast and only like ten episodes or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, they have a huge cast. Yep, they, they sure do. They have a do. lot of characters, so we get a lot of Teddy this episode. We didn't see almost any of the Man in Black. We didn't really see much William when last week was so William heavy. We still get our same Dolores openings, and that's very important. And we yep. focused on different people from our real world scenario. We sure. still always focus on Bernard, but now we saw less Teresa. We didn't see Lee at all. We saw more Elsie, more Stubbs. We see Ford. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. And, uh, of course, we're still interested in Dolores. She seems to be... Denor- the Dol- Dolores and Bernard, I mean, there's a connection there that's very important. The mm-hmm. show's clearly interested in both of them. And, uh, yeah, this I like this week's episode a lot because it, it, it shatters theories. It presents new theories. It rearranges theories. Yeah. Um, I'm talking. The man's talking now. So, could, please, okay? <laughs> Just follow your loop. That you're programmed for genetically, um, but um, no, I like I like the ideas presented in this episode. Again, there's a lot to talk about. More with Dolores and what she has going on. Uh, 
what I like about the idea of the show is we have all these characters essentially in one place. Westworld is the place. And each one of these characters represents a character that has certain hopes or dreams or ambitions, obviously with the hosts less so, but that's something that I think they're going to build more on as the show goes on. And then we also have these hidden agendas, which I think is important. You know, it reminds me of a good board game, right? <laughs> a board game that has hidden agendas as part of your objective, not just, you know, win. You have this other thing you have to accomplish on the down low. I really think that's how you make good stories. Good interactive storytelling is all these people in this location, they all seem to be interested in the same thing, but then they also have their own motivating factors that they are pursuing outside of the regular assumed duties of either running Westworld or being a host in Westworld. Uh, we're seeing it with Dolores. We're seeing it with Ford, who's who's very mysterious to me. And, uh, you know, we didn't re really talk about this in the last podcast, but his ability to control the snake, to move shit around with his fucking hands, like some crazy Matrix shit. We didn't even mention, we didn't talk too much about it. But, you know, there's a lot going on here, and I'm looking forward to talking about all of that this week. So, overall, another great episode. Uh, more lofty uh, concepts that I hope uh, they drill down on more. Um, I want them to start to do that. Obviously, as the series, uh, as the first season here grows to an end, uh, you know, there's only Whoa, 10. Oh, it just started. No, Let's I know. Relax. Let me finish. <laughs> as the as the episodes progress, we, were, we will see. My hope is that these lofty ideas presented are resolved as we close in on the season finale and we start to present new ones for the next season. Um, I hope it's not just a bunch of a bunch of an unanswered questions that string us along, which I know sometimes Abrams or whoever has a has a bit of a uh, a reputation for stringing folks along. So I hope that's not the case. How dare you. Anyway, let's um move into uh Westworld episode The Stray. And at the top? Never got that. But he had a notion of what it might be. He based it on a theory of consciousness called the bicameral mind. The idea that primitive man believed his thoughts to be the voice of the gods. And I thought it was debunked. Not as a theory for understanding the human mind, perhaps, but not as a blueprint for building an artificial one. See, Arnold built a version of their cognition in which the hosts heard their programming as a, an inner monologue with the hopes that in time their own voice would take over. As a way to bootstrap consciousness. But Arnold hadn't considered two things. One, that in this place, the last thing you want the hosts to be is conscious. And two, the other group who considered their thoughts to be the voices of the gods. <sighs> Lunatics. Indeed. So we're going to start with Dolores, as usual. We always start with Dolores. Good morning, Dolores. Hello. Has anyone else interacted with you? So what's... What's Bernard doing here, Jessica? He's doing secret missions with her, and he wants to make sure that nobody else realizes he's doing secret missions with her. Right. That's not all he's doing. He's presenting her with a gift, isn't yes, he? Yes, he's giving her gifts, and it's not the first gift he's given her. Right. What do you suppose he's trying to do here? He's trying to see if she's conscious. Hmm. He's doing exactly what Arnold was doing. Right. I like it. And he feels that way about her. Yeah. Like he, And we'll see that at the end of the episode. He does not feel like she was just a host. Sure. The things he's making her read are very much trying to give her a clue to who she is. Sure. To the fact that there's more than she realizes. Right. Yeah, I agree. Alice's adventures in Wonderland, he's seeing how she might reflect on this book. And I hope, 
that this book comes back, I hope that she references it or has some sort of memory uh, involving something she learned from the book and applies it to her conscious life. I think that would be interesting. Um, you know, he points out a passage, dear, dear, how queer everything is today. And yesterday things went on just as usual. I mean, he's really giving her an obvious roadmap. It's right on the nose, but it's, you can't really be subtle with machines, right? You kind of have to tell them what's going on. He's giving her a command in a sense and wondering how it will play out as it goes forward. Uh, he obviously anthropomorphizes these things quite Wouldn't a bit. Wouldn't you? I think I absolutely would. And uh, yeah, I like that. I think that's something that we're going to see more in this episode. It happens later when Ford's talking to the technician, uh, which shows us a different side of Ford, which I thought was fascinating. I feel like this really turned the tables on Ford for me, in a way. Sure. Because I spent the first two episodes thinking that he was the one trying to do this thing with consciousness, that he wanted Bernard doing these things, that there was some involvement. Right. And this totally blew that idea out of the water. Sure, sure. Uh, does it make you think of anything, he asks her. It's about change, she says. Seems to be a common theme. People like to read about things they want most, but have the least of. Your son, where is he now, she asks. And he stops her and says, why did you ask me about my son? And then she gives the robot answer, which is personal questions ingratiate me to guests or whoever. Yes, whoever I'm talking that's her to. analysis of the situation. Um, but he uh, he asks, he, he you know, we, we cut right back to Dolores' dad letting the cows out, she's noticing. She fishes the pistol out of her drawer, seems confused by its presence there, wraps it up, puts it away. She hears, do you remember? The man in black drags her to the barn, says something about reacquainting ourselves. Start at the beginning, he tells her. The pistol is now gone. I wrote, where did it go? I think she was just remembering it. It was a flash to something else, a different time or a different thing. At some point, she had that gun and she's rem she's remembering it. Do you think at one point she had that gun and then it was taken away from her? Um, I, I think because remember, she found it in the last episode. I think maybe she's remembering that she found the gun. Yeah, the, the, the issue with this, uh, somebody said the gun is Arnold. Uh, he faked <laughs> his death and became a gun. Yeah, I know. Um, I like the idea, though, that if we, if we talk about this stuff with Dolores, if we talk about she thought she had the gun, maybe she didn't. I suggested if it's a memory, is it possible that it was in one of her prior, you know, they go through this, this there's, a, there's this groundhog day to their loop. Maybe she was recalling a loop when she had the gun and then right. didn't anymore. She remembered having it. So she's getting these memories, as we've discussed in the first episode, of things that have happened to her in prior loops, which is this gun. It's coming back to her. And this comes up later. The, 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 maybe because she shot Rebus, maybe that's why they went in and took the gun out of there. Maybe they did one of those everyone freezes and they went in and said, how the fuck did this gun in here? Let's take it out kind mm -hmm. of thing. Who knows? I'm not sure. But well, she's um, definitely remembering having that gun. That's what I'm saying. Me too. So um, we move on. William walks around Sweetwater, our buddy William, Mr. White Hat. And we hear that term used later by Logan, and it's important. He says, we're white hatting it. So that's some sort of Westworld slang. That's a slang in general. They say it on Scandal all the time. Oh, do they? Yeah, it just basically oh, means the good that. guy. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so William walks around Sweetwater. He tips his hat to Clementine. A gunfight breaks out with a man they were trying to arrest. It's an, quote, unquote, encounter. Can I just point out again, and don't relax, chap, but I'm just going to make my points here. One, William has still yet to interact with Maeve. One sec. Can you toss me a pen? My, this one doesn't work. You. William is interacting with Clementine and no Maeve. Okay. Just want to point that out. Okay. He's still not been in the same scene as her. All right. Just 
You, you, do you oh, want to yeah. talk about that now, then? Your theory? Nope, I just want to talk about it as we go on. Okay. It might it might be easier to just address it. No, because then I'm just going to talk about a bunch of things that happen in the episode, but I'm saying along the lines of the theory that maybe this <laughs> is a flashback to 30 years ago. Junkfish says, let the dream die. Don't get ahead of yourselves to what happens at the end. We'll get there when we get there. But for now, let's just go scene by scene and take it from here. Okay. William is in the scene that Maeve would normally be in, and she's not here. Okay. Let us continue. Let us continue. Go. Is it possible it's because she's getting worked on because she fucked up? Sure it is. Anything's possible, but I'm just pointing it out because it's also possible that's because it's 30 years ago and there was no Maeve. You're still on that, huh? Yep. All right. Yep, I am. And I went to the internet and there's one website that's still with me. All right. Make sure you credit that website if you steal their ideas. I already forgot what it was. Sorry. You Write me a bad that. review. That's essentially plagiarizing, but I'm serious. It's probably like bustle. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you if you, if you you do, if you ha- are inspired by somebody else's idea that I sent you down a rabbit hole at least credit the originator of the idea it didn't send me down a rabbit hole I was just checking to make sure that someone on the internet was still on board with me right on I like it so anyway we um he tips his hat to Clementine a gunfight breaks out um Clementine expresses some gratitude because William finally shoots somebody um I thought you said we couldn't get shot Logan corrects him you can't get killed it wouldn't be fun if you could just get blasted Ooh, and, me. Uh, this has to do with your theory as well right Older yep. technologies. Just just curious how the man in black can be shot like 25 times and not feel a thing. And William shot once. It knocks him down mm-hmm. and he's bruised by it. I like it. Is that not, doesn't that seem more like old technology to you? There's nothing we've seen in any other scenes that don't involve William of anything other than yeah. the hosts cannot hurt the guests, period. They cannot hurt them. Yes. I just saw guests get hurt. Mm-hmm. That was an injury. Yeah. Logan also says that you get used to it, kind of. He Implying that, is it possible? That that's... That that, okay, sure, maybe they're used to it, but I'm just yeah. saying... Kelly, Kelly B actually just said it in the chat, which reminds me, we're recording this live on Mixler, mixler.com slash lsg-media, where we record all our shows live. So check it out, motherfuckers. That's my song. Um, It's possible. Just saying. It's a lot. And I know we saw a flashback to the early days and the hosts were different, but they looked just as good. Did they not? Yes. We don't know how different our first days are from what's happening here and how quickly quickly we moved on to the host being better. Just because we saw one scene of them working on the host at the very beginning and they just danced all awkwardly doesn't mean that. Are you being objective or are you being being subjective about your dreams i'm just pointing facts <laughs> out and if the chat is just gonna t- keep telling me i'm wrong i'm just saying that there's a possibility and i would be wrong if i Isn't didn't it possible discuss enough? it all right williams now seems interested though he goes over to uh, the bounty he yanks it off the wall and he's ready for an adventure he snatches the wanted poster and He's starting to, his blood's starting to get flowing a little bit. He's, uh, how the man in black started. Yeah. Scott Cummings in the chat says, I'm not saying it's aliens, Jess, but aliens. (laughs) Listen, I don't care. Yeah. You're like Fox Mulder. You're like Fox Mulder. When I'm right, I want to (laughs) believe. And when this all ends and just like Fox Mulder, I was right. And the aliens did take my sister. It's possible. You're all going to feel bad about all this shit you talk. But do you? So at the control room, we see Bernard and Teresa having a chat, uh, the board is uneasy about Ford taking over the narratives. That was an interesting look in. Yeah, she she was pissed because Bernard said it was going to be cool that Ford was going to let Lee do his, you know, Red Arroyo crap. Sure. Teresa thought Bernard had, take, had this taken care of. Ford has carved a large chunk out of the park physically and thrown a bunch of narratives into disarray. So 
Ford, the mad genius who is responsible for this park being what it is, seems to be a bit of an uncontrollable renegade old man genius. And uh, he's throwing in narratives into disarray. He's uh, chunked up a bunch of the park. He's. It's funny because we don't, this is the only real perspective we have on Ford's actions and what they are doing to everyone else's fucking jobs. And it looks like a nightmare, right? Right. I like that. It shows, but we, we tarnish up Ford a little in this episode, a little bit, and I really appreciate that. So Bernard offers uh, his help. Teresa asks him about the update. Bernard says it's fine. And, and we see Bernard almost repeating pattern for Ford. So Ford's telling Bernard it's fine. Bernard's telling everyone else it's fine. Yeah, he's like it's right like, below Ford. Right, but I'm just saying Bernard knows it's not fine, and he's pretending it's fine. Because he's got his own secret shit he's wearing. Correct. About. What I was saying in the beginning of this, and Ford is pretending everything's fine when seemingly there's a bunch of malfunctions and weird shit going on in the park. So let's talk about Elsie and Bernard, shall we? If we must. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. The chat's very interesting, but we do have a podcast. No, I know. We're going to talk about Elsie and Bernard. And I said, if we must. Cause... So Rebus was the last host to interact with Walter. That's why Elsie pulled Bernard. So she's showing some initiative here. And oh, she's always so much of a busybody. Can't just let people do their robot stuff. I'm sure that's what Ford thinks. So they go over the Walter footage. Walter is talking to someone. I need more milk, Arnold. Walter yells. Bernard, Bernard says they are designed to play off of aberrant ba- behavior. So like like Ford explains a way to Bernard, Bernard explains a way to Elsie. Elsie agrees, but says it goes deeper. He kills six hosts. He lets three go. This is the best thing Elsie said all episode. It's, this is fascinating. It's awesome. All six were part of a storyline in which they killed Walter. It was like he was holding a grudge. They don't finish the conversation because it gets interrupted by the whole stray report. And Bernard tells her to handle the stray with QA, quality assurance, I guess. And Mm -hmm. um, they kind of get interrupted. So this is a tethered line, an untethered line that says he's holding a grudge. He's remembering. He's not going to let shit happen again. He kills a bunch of people. He's calling out for Arnold. I need more milk, Arnold. Right. And it's funny because at the time we know that we remember Walter saying like, not this time. Exactly. These people who hadn't killed him in this storyline, as far as we know, they were working with him. Right. So this idea that he's pulling up memories of past storylines that made him freak out and kill the specific people who have killed him and yes. nobody else is very, very fascinating. Yes. I, mean, I really like that. Me too. Don't like the milk from Arnold, but other than that, I'm cool with all of this. I gotcha. It's pretty interesting. It's very interesting. What? What? I'm going to do a little pulse check here. I feel like one of the things I am witnessing here is this bit of a spreading of this aberrant behavior. And it almost feels like we could be in a situation where we're entering some sort of like a robot revolution. Like slowly but surely, they're going to realize how they've been treated. They're not going to like how they've been treated. And they're going to stop the way they've been treated. We see it with Walter, not this time, bang, 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 bang. And then we see it with Dolores putting the gun on Rebus and shooting Rebus. Mm -hmm. I like this idea of them starting to go, no, this isn't how we're going to be treated. We're going to be treated differently. Uh, we It shows a self-awareness. It shows that they value themselves enough to not allow themselves to be mistreated. If you, if you whack your computer with a hammer, it doesn't do anything to stop you because it doesn't have consciousness. It has no survival mechanic. It just has programming. 
if I smash it with a fucking computer, it's not going to turn on because you physically damage the parts. But it's not going to learn from that. If I fix it, it's not going to remember and then dodge the fucking hammer swing next time. If it does, I got a fucking badass computer. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to see this happening. So Elsie and Stubbs, the only... Uh, he has a great line here, Stubbs. He says, the only thing stopping the host from hacking us to pieces is one line of code. Yeah, he sleeps with his gun. He walks around armed. He's in a house full of robots that pr- presumably are as strong or stronger than people. And uh, it, it's risky. He doesn't want to fuck around with this. I wouldn't either, honestly. Just in mm. case. Although supposedly they can't hurt people, but I just saw them hurt William. So I'm just saying. Indeed. So, Teddy and guests. Let's talk about Teddy. Yeah, Teddy has a brawl with some bro who apparently beats the prostitutes. His name is Samuel. He's a woman beater, which is perfectly tailored to this woman, this woman who's a guest. Like, yeah. oh, cool, I get to kill a woman beater. That's my fantasy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, they draw down on each other. They cuff him to a post after they kill him. They refer to him as merchandise. It's just a quick little encounter narrative. We're seeing that this character, this woman. Now, he goes into the saloon too and chats with Maeve. Yeah. It's so funny because neither of them ever chat with William. Just saying, just saying that neither of them have ever ran into William in like this small son. area where William is all the time at the saloon. Yet he's never run into Maeve and Teddy, who are also always at the saloon. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Not not saying anything else. I'm not saying that he's the man in black and we're back in time, but I'm just pointing out this fact. Yeah, I like it. So here's another thing I want to talk about with this show. One of the things that it continues to do is it it doesn't give you any humanity for the human characters in Westworld, which means the show is doing a good job of continuing to force our perspective to be that of the host. Mm-hmm. This woman has no name. The guy has no name. The guy later in the pinstripes has no name. They're simply guests. But William does. But William does. Because he's different. Because he's different. William and Logan are the only ones who do. Not saying how he's different, just pointing out that he's different. That's all, guys. Right. Um, you're going to eat crow if you're wrong, you know, you will be lambasted and I will laugh at you. I've been wrong. Listen to the Game of Thrones podcast and who I predict is going to die. I'm never right. (laughs) At least you're. So I might as well be consistent. Yes. At least you're not too afraid to admit that. I appreciate that about you. I like your honesty, kid. Thanks. Please give me a five star (laughs) review on iTunes. (laughs) Uh, No, but honestly, I, um, I like this. I like that a lot about this. Did you notice that when they are? In Westworld, not focusing on William, the guests are nameless. We have no connection to them. Mm-hmm. In fact, their very presence on the TV screen annoys me a little bit. Not the girl yeah. so much because she did shit. I mean, she was still kind of annoying. But the creepy blonde guy and then the pinstripe guy's like, oh, I'm signing up for their shit. They just annoy me. Their very presence irks me. I feel like if I was a host that wanted to get revenge, I'd start with them. So after confronting Sam Samuel, they do talk to Maeve. Maeve remembers dead Teddy. Yep, has that little flash. Has a flash. Very important. Um, Clementine's narrative starts, but this time with the woman. Because she's there, so she's going to automatically go to the human instead of trying to pick up Teddy. We're seeing the loops. Not Uh, much of a rind on you. That's her quote. Yep, which she would use on Teddy until a human guest interrupts it. Which is what happens here. And that chick's like, sweet. Teddy bellies up to the bar. He then sees Dolores. The narrative begins. His usual, let me grab the can and be chivalrous thing. Usual for him, but not so usual for Dolores. This is amazing. Well, it was usual at first until they get out into the wilderness exactly. where they're not going to talk about the Judith steer this time. That's right. So Teddy goes, goes Teddy's, Teddy's things go as planned. He looks chivalrous. They go to the countryside. He's been away. 
Teddy says that uh, if he could stay here, he would. Is there anywhere we could go, she asks. Uh, there is a place down south. Teddy recalls a place in this very tropey western way, a place we could start again, honey, darling. Uh, I'd like to go there with you. Does he say honey, darling? Because that seems more like something. Someday, not baby. Him I'm going to put a big fat ba- I'm going to put a big fat baby in that belly. Someday, baby. We're going to go down. talk like that. Someday, baby. We're going to go down. We're going to go down south. I'm going to put a big fat. I'm going to put a big fat baby in that belly. No, that's not what Teddy says. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to put a baby in that belly. No, that's not what Teddy says. I'm going to work the, work the land with these hands, with these mitts, ma'am. And, um, but not today. Always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. This is like a typical thing. Like, because when I asked Dean to do things, he always says someday. Island of Misfit Toys. Uh, Not today. Not today. Never, never, never. And then, of course. That's just what men say to women all the time. when They want to do something. Yeah, later. Yeah, we'll do it someday. Like, I'm like, Dean, do you want to go to like a wine tasting? Yeah, maybe someday. We've only done 10 in the last Dean, do you want to go walk the dog today? Yeah, maybe later. All right. Um, She repeats it someday. I like I like her face. I like the expression change as she realizes he's someday, never gonna go with her. Sounds a lot like never. Let's go. She wants to go now. Yeah, let's not go someday, Teddy. Let's go now. She kisses Teddy. She says, "You can put that baby in my belly." Lots of longing in her eyes. Was this the first time we saw them smooch? Mm, no, maybe. Because I feel like that may be a little off script too. Because he seems surprised. Like oh. that's a really good question. Actually, I'm glad you asked it. I don't know the answer. I really feel like his reaction when she was going to kiss him, like there was like this pause before. It, it was happening. I, like I don't know it. why you're laughing at me. You just laughed at me. Because you, you, your lift Tyler hand smashed into the <laughs> mic again. And I'd just like to tease you about that. Because it's Ooh. funny. Anyways, I'm just saying, I don't remember if they've ever kissed before. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But his reaction to her like going off script and then kissing him made me feel like it was not a normal thing. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I like I don't like think it. they've boned. For sure, I don't think For sure boned. they haven't boned. She's not that kind of girl. Um, <clears throat> she just gets raped by rando dudes who kill her parents all the time. Right, that's a different kind of girl. And maybe the man in black, but maybe not. So Teddy has some reckoning to do first. So oh yeah, he's got shit to do. Oh, to it's do. fucking typical guy. Oh, I got shit to do. I got some sins to atone for, you know. Yeah, all right, Teddy. Whatever. Yeah. They all say. I'm a rough rider, and uh, I got some things to take care of first. There, little little Daisy. But don't you worry, I'll like, come running around here once again in, in the future. No, so this is like the the like breakup line. So she's like, "Let's go, let's go today." No, you know, honey, I, I can't because I'm I'm not good enough for you. And there are things that I need to atone for in my past before I can be good enough for you. Look at me. Like as if that's not the most common breakup line of all time. AKA I just me. don't want to date you. Look at me. Jessica, look at me. It's not you. It's me. Hey, look at me. It's not you. It's me. You got you're, shit. You got atone for it. I got, I got shit to do. It's me. You're too good for me. No, you're too good for me. You're too good for me. So I have to break up. You're too good for me. I just can't do it. Sorry. Hey, look at me. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Teddy and Dolores uh, wrap things up. Teddy uh, says uh, he has to get her home. Now, I watch this again. Not uh, this. I watch the first episode again, and here's what happens. She says, I got to get home. This time, Teddy says, I have to get home, which shows you that they're complicated programming. Maybe this is a weird conversation because they learn from each other. They, they improvise a little bit off of aberrant behavior. Teddy was probably programmed to take her home should something different happen. And he, you can see that immediately take over. Yeah. He says, he, we got to get you home. He knows that his objective is getting Dolores back to her house that night yes. as it gets dark. Yes. And when Dolores isn't giving her usual line, he's going to take over because yeah. he knows that's his storyline. Correct. 
So we have a great eye creation scene. I love this. This is so awesome. Wait, a what? The eye creation. Like the, the, they're showing the mechanical creation of the eyeball. Oh, we weren't going to say that our parents are being murdered and shit like usual. We, we come back to that. Okay. Don't we? I don't know. I just wrote there. They go back to her place. We replay the same scene as usual. Loose balls. Parents being murdered. The usual. That's just all I wrote. Yeah. But then I cut to the real world. Right. The eye, eye, the eye forging, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Okay. This printer sucks. It didn't print all my notes. So now I got to quickly slide over to the lappy. Well, I'll just tell you that Teddy is um, hanging with Ford. And uh, Ford's like, hey, bro, what's up? And he's like, oh, there's this girl, Dolores. I'm going to run away with her one day. And Ford's like like the typical parent when your 15-year-old son's like, I'm going to run away with Dolores. I'm going to run away with her. No, you're not stupid. You're 15 years old and a child. And I'm your parent. And I'm going to tell you that you are not going to run away with Dolores. Perhaps. But I think it's a little deeper. You want to know what I think? I'd love to. Um, I was thinking of this while I was watching this, and the coward dies a thousand deaths. You die at least a thousand times. And yet oh, I'm not even that far. Dull your courage. Is that what you aspire to, Teddy? Teddy says that sometime. Ford says no. You never will. He tells him why he's there. Ford asks him why he never tries to run off with the girl. And as you just he's said, no reckoning to do. Ford admits. Listen, we never gave you a backstory. Um, ah, we yes, were, your mysterious backstory. It's that writer moment where you're like, oh, fuck, a sequel? Shit. Oh, God. I guess I'll write Anakin Skywalker and he'll be awesome. Um, but he says he will give him one. He talks about a time of war and a man named Wyatt. Like, I was like, do you want a backstory? And Teddy's like, who? But this moment that you talked about where he uploads him and he says, Love of course, it. I remember Wyatt. Again, cool acting Who's by Mark. Wyatt? Yeah. He claimed he could hear the voice of God. That's the first time we hear the word God in this show. So this corresponds to some of the fuckery Ford had when we saw religion. I'm I could be wrong, but this might be the first time we hear the word the word God from from a, a host. host. Yes, uh, army certainly was, in this episode. Yeah, army was set to put down the natives. Bad business. Sergeant went out and came back with some strange ideas. Um, I like this. I like the the sergeant going out to tame the natives and kind of losing himself out there. All the apocalypse now. Um, so. I just love that he has actual visual memories. And I know that that's a tool for us. Like, oh, we're going to show you this thing. But this to me is like a great way to show us how this works. He goes from no having no clue who Wyatt is to one switch of a button. And now we're visually seeing his memories of Wyatt. This past that never existed before the second that Ford pressed a button. Incredible. And one of the things we've talked about before with artificial intelligence is... We've talked a lot about, in Blade Runner, in the Blade Runner, our very first episode on the Science Fiction Film Podcast, uh, back when we were just terrible, we talked <laughs> the about- good old days. <laughs> we, Matthew and I joked about, like, if we wanted to milk it, we would just, like, do, like, pull a George Lucas and do, like, our first 10 episodes over again with, like, new fans and new perspectives and new- Yeah, I'm we thinking call it about, like, Blade my Runner. Terminator podcast. We'd, be, we'd be, like, Blade Runner, second thoughts, and do it again, like, hacks, because we have nothing original- um, no, I'm kidding. But what I want to say about this in the Blade Runner podcasts, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reference it here because we talked about these replicants live for four years and they get these complex emotional feelings to seem as real as possible. But the problem is they lack perspective and understanding about how they feel. So because of that, they have these really unpredictable responses to the way they behave. So if you continuously get your memory wiped and you have this programming loop, but you're designed to improvise and you're supposed to feel some kind of emotion, what's weird is when they wipe your memory, 
it's almost like they're wiping your ability to cope with these weird emotional contexts. So if you're a four-year-old, but you're in a grown-up's body, or how about this? If you're a nine-year-old, or how about this? A six-year-old in a grown-up's body. Make up your mind about what age you want this child to be. If you're a six-year-old in a grown-up's body. Like the movie Big, starring Tom Hanks? No, because he has his whole life perspective. If you have a six-year-old's mind in a grown-up body. Like 13 going on 30? Fucking hell. <laughs> I can keep you going. You are fired. I'm taking reservation uh, res- uh, resumes now for the Westworld podcast. Don't say podcast. that because Keith Bonneau will send you one wherever he is. He senses he's, that you're saying this shit right now. He's in Virginia and he's going to be listening to this and I hope he does. Keith, you're hired. Jessica, you're fired. Um, what I'm trying to fucking say, Jessica, is they don't have a frame of reference or the experience to deal with complex relationships and emotions which is always the thing that makes fucking around with artificial intelligence and emotions hard because they lack that knowledge. When you're a child, you act like a child. You're small. You're helped. You don't understand things. As you grow up, you learn more. You grow into your body. You grow into your emotions. You get experience. You get perspective. You go, oh, when that guy makes fun of me, that's fucking his problem, not my problem. I, I get it now. I, I should not have to worry about you know. You, you start to develop coping mechanisms and skills, and that's something that they lack here. But one of the things I always think, because Teddy just, boom, he gets this info. Oh, why? He's a strange man. He just immediately has this emotional context or, or the seemingly, he seemingly has an emotional context. He's a, a robot around this guy, Wyatt. Now, one of the things I was thinking about, and it just sort of entered my mind, was maybe Ford feels, maybe Ford has some sort of kinship with Teddy. Like Ford never gets the girl. We don't see Ford with any kind of girl. Ford has this new mission for Teddy, which is this rival with this guy named Wyatt. I wonder if Ford has this rival with somebody, like almost like some of these fantasies or some of these own memories play out as these robotic personalities that he dreams up. Yeah, I'm sure they do, but I don't know if Ford has anything with Teddy because I kind of feel like he didn't like give a shit about Teddy forever. Like how long has Teddy been a host with no actual backstory because no one gives a shit about yeah, him? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I was just thinking maybe he reflected on that somehow in some weird way. You never get the girl. Um, I don't know. But I do like that he decides to just change that. He's like, fuck it. We're going to totally throw this into disarray. And um, he came back with some strange ideas. We bounce back over to Dolores. We have Rebus and his buddies. Uh, one of, in fact, as a guest, they start to harass Dolores. Uh, they want to let the guest bang her, basically. Mm-hmm. He's guess, like, whoa, I want an easy chick to bang. Yeah, the guest seems to uh, want to draw down on Teddy, but he's scared. I like that part because Teddy, of course, shows up. The guest says he wanted something easy. Reba says, well, she ain't worth the lead. Daddy and Dolores go practice shooting because uh, they they kind of just, they're, they're standing there on the stairs, right? They're outside of a business or something. Yeah, and they got to go back and do their loop. Now he's That's with right. Dolores, so they got to go out into the woods. But this time in the loop, he's teaching her how to shoot a gun. That's right. But Teddy has new programming. This isn't totally out of the ordinary that Teddy's trying to show Dolores how to shoot a gun now because she's not going to be able to do it because it's not in her programming. You know, now Teddy's worried about Wyatt. So in his mind, he's like, how can I protect Dolores? I need her to be able to shoot a gun if she needs to. So that's why he wants to teach her. But her programming is still no thank you. I like it. So I don't think Teddy is in any way going against any programming or anything here. I like it. Can you like talk in a Mexican accent before the chat goes crazy? No, absolutely not. He won't do things on command. What do I look like, a circus bear? I like used to beg him to do like weird accents in front of people and he never would. No. So Dolores and Teddy... um, some hands weren't meant to pull the trigger, so she can't physically pull the trigger. No, she can't. It's not her programming. And Sorry. this is this is teased and or rather outright explained. Only certain models have weapon privileges, the, the axe, etc. Yep, later we hear that. Sure. 
Uh, the sheriff and others are looking for Teddy's help with a man named Wyatt. Boom. New He's programming. Like, I gotta fucking go. New encounter because uh, there are guests on it. Dolores doesn't know who he is. The sheriff calls him a pestilence. I like that. So Dolores doesn't know who Wyatt is. She didn't get the program. Yeah, she's like, what the fuck? Now I'm finally learning Teddy's backstory after right. all these times. Right. Uh, only Teddy has encountered him and lived to tell the tale. Teddy says goodbye to Dolores again. She asks for promise. He says he'll come back. That he will return. He promises. Teddy writes off. Dolores is upset. So I like how Teddy has this nemesis in Wyatt. That's pretty cool. Um, we've seen that before. We've got a man in black nemesis. We've got this Arnold character. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and he gets whisked off away to participate in this new narrative. Now, you have Ford making these narratives. I wonder what his goal is. I wonder what he's trying to do. Why did he want to change it? He totally disregarded Lee, the British guy, um, who I don't even know if we're going to see again since Ford just said, I'm making shit now. I mean, I think we're going to see him again. I think IMDb says he's in like a lot of episodes. Okay. Anyway. But that doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. IMDb said like, could just mean well, I don't want to say things that, that could be spoilery. Yeah, I wouldn't. But it says, do that. It says certain do actors that. are in way more episodes than I think they're going to be in or that you've seen or definitely in like, like I feel like Jimmy Simpson is contracted for 10 episodes, but there's no way he can be in 10 episodes because he wasn't in the first one. Right. It's possible. So Stubbs and Elsie, um, they come across an encampment of men discussing cooking rabbit, chopping wood, building tents. Apparently they are caught in some kind of loop. Yeah, they were supposed to be in town like two days ago, but nobody can cook a fucking <laughs> rabbit. So they're still out in the woods. That's pretty funny, actually. It's hilarious. Yeah. Elsie uh, says that they uh, only one of the hosts, of course, is programmed to wield the axe. They venture into the tent and decide. Weapons uh, privileges are tough to come by, guys. We indeed. learn right here. So this is another fascinating. This is another fascinating part of the uh, episode is the uh, the hobby, and how Elsie explains that the hobbies are anchoring. They anchor the hosts. It's their cornerstone. Their identity is built around their hobbies, layer by layer. She says, and Sub says, "Well, they carve like shit," which I thought was kind of cool. That they carve like shit. Yeah, it's funny because you could program it to carve well. Be perfect. Yeah. I you I guess you could. Like but, Dolores painting her horses. Yeah. Yeah. She paints good horses. Right. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's, I like, I want to discuss that because if you, again, how do you get better at something if you don't retain the memory of practice? You, you don't, I don't think. I just think that you're programmed you to be a certain just, amount of good at something. Yeah. You don't get better or worse. You just do the same thing every day. I like it. And Dolores paints an adequate horse, as Junk Fist in the chat says. Right. But he's a better horse than I would paint. But I do think that you'll see her outgrowing her programming. She already has. Yeah, her, but she's different. Right. She is different. Woodcarver. Oh, he also kind of outgrows programming. Correct. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Elsie, well, I'm done. Elsie looks it over. She sees a bear and a constellation carving. I immediately thought Ursa Major Minor or whatever, yeah, but it wasn't it. I Dean was, was right on top of what this was. I was like, yeah, the wrong constellation. But he knew it was a constellation. Oh, thanks. So he's kind of smart sometimes. So when I'm right about all my theories, you can say how smart I am. And when I'm wrong, you can just not be mean to me. Too okay, late. Thanks, bye. Um, so Teddy and the sheriff, they walk about, they walk talk about. about Wyatt. And now, before I get off of the constellation, what do you think? They're not. She she later says they're not programmed to give a fuck about constellations. Yeah, well, yeah. Hmm. Do you want to talk about that now or when we get there? Well, it's interesting because you can navigate with the stars. Like, was he going somewhere based on like? I'm just not sure. Is it possible that these guys are getting? We we know they're supposed to be outgrowing their programming, but part of me thinks that they could be surreptitiously getting little things delivered to them by somebody else. Certainly possible. Yeah. Look at what Bernard's doing with Dolores. Right. Could be happening with anyone else. For sure. So Teddy and the sheriff, they uh, talk about Wyatt and his men and their masks and fearlessness. 
Uh, Teddy wasn't always a bounty hunter. He was in the army. Everything changed. Wyatt disappeared, came back with ideas. Claimed Bring this the land ideas. didn't belong to the natives, said it belonged to him. So I know uh, you think I'm reading into this, but this is a pretty lengthy backstory for a character named Wyatt, and I'm wondering why. I, I think you're reading into what? This whole thing with Wyatt. Says who? Well, Wyatt disappeared, came back with ideas. I'm, I'm thinking... I don't think you're reading into it. No, I guess part of me feels like, are there parallels? And I'm not saying it is Arnold, oh. but are there parallels to be drawn? He has different ideas. He sees things differently. He now, why it is supposed to be like Arnold? Not supposed to be Arnold, but maybe inspired by Arnold. That seems, that's, I'm, I find that perfectly reasonable. I yeah. don't think that means Ford thinks Teddy's anything special. He was just like, oh, shit, no, I should probably fine. do something with this bro. Claim this land didn't belong to the natives, said it belonged to him, you know, is... Uh, this this comes back to the, the Ford-Arnold dynamic a little bit. Is this a weird personification of Ford's struggles with his old friend? I wrote, is that possible? Certainly could be. Teddy can't get the girl. Uh, well, Teddy and Wyatt were once friends. That's another thing we're led to believe. It was his sergeant, so they were comrades. Ford and, and Arnold were comrades. Um, it's a personal story to, to Ford, something he could come up with on the fly, um, something that matters to him. I'm so, fine with the idea that Wyatt is based on Arnold. I'm pretty cool with that. Hmm. Could be. So anyway, they find some people tied to trees, one still alive. That's just me. like seven. I know. I'm like, we we literally just watched seven and did a podcast about it. And this bro did the same thing the guy in seven did. He sure did. It's like he knew that they, we were on top of that shit. And then they hear crazy beast noises. Like the monster in Lost. Yeah, right. I thought the same thing too. Fucking J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I hope it's cooler than the smoke monster though. Don't even talk shit about the smoke monster. You have only seen three seasons of Lost. Yeah. You shut it down right now, sir. Uh, so anyway, uh, Wyatt's men open fire. They sort of ambush him. Uh, one of the guests is afraid. Obviously, the girl has some balls, unlike her tenderfoot friend, and the gun battle rages on. So we're spending a lot of time on this Wyatt storyline with, and I'm not sure where it's taking us. And that's why I think it's important because it's obviously going to take us somewhere and not to get too meta, but the show wouldn't show interest in this storyline without doing something with it in the future. Um so we move back over to Stubbs and Elsie. They continue to track the stray who is vectoring, just not the right way. He's not vectoring home, I believe is what they say. Stubbs makes the horoscope joke and just casually says, yeah, it's Orion. You didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, Elsie, you dummy. I oh, love how God. she's like, are you gal of fucking Leo? And I like how he's like, oh, maybe you programmed it into my backstory. I like that. <laughs> I like that because that's always a question in the show. Who's real? Who is not? Yeah, it's funny. He makes a joke about it. But deep down, we're like, oh, shit. Actually, maybe real's the one he... wrong descriptor. Who's a host and who's not? Is he a host? Mm. But it's funny that he makes a joke. I like it. So this conversation is a big part of the meat of this episode. Elsie and Stubbs. Ford and oh, Bernard. Oh, thank God we're moving on to something interesting. Just kidding. So Ford muses about weaving this old into the new it's a tricky thing he says Ford's a bit annoyed at the technician's concern for modesty what do you think about this I think that this is not how we expected Ford right. like I think this it's is where we see unexpected. like hold on a second I thought Ford was kind of like Bernard and like oh these are people but no no not at all this is a big insight into Ford's personality because whether or not these things are hosts or robots and you know it Seeing what looks exactly like a human sure. sitting there nude, I would do the same thing. Of course. I think it's weird that they all sit there with them naked. Right. Uh, it, and it's funny because that almost seems like standard operating procedure, mm -hmm. right? Like Talking Ford, to them naked, yeah. Yeah, Ford probably said, this is how we're going to do this because you guys need to get over it. And over time, you will get over it. And maybe Elsie's not that new. And maybe that was part of the reason they showed her because even after all this time or however long she's worked there, she still is compelled to feel that way because 
you can't desensitize yourself to the humanity of it unless you're a fucking sociopath. Let's not try to make Elsie's weird behavior in episode one make sense. Let's cool. just move on. Cool. Thanks for that conversation. That was dope. Me? Yeah. Um, Whatever. You're rude and I hate you. So Ford calls it a simple cognitive dissidence because they're talking about um, Bernard and Ford discussing Abernathy and Walter. They were hearing voices. They were talking to Arnold. I like it. Schwarzenegger. Ford calls it uh, a simple cognitive dissonance, which I believe is the name of the next episode. Bernard says he agrees, but that they were talking to the same imaginary person, someone named Arnold. And Ford's like, oh, shit. It gets his attention immediately. Tell the story now. Now, because Anthony Hopkins is a brilliant actor, I didn't take him as the jig is up. I took him as genuinely surprised that the name Arnold was thrown around. Yeah, I he, agree. He gave pause, like, whoa, wait a second. He's like, oh, yeah, Arnold was my partner. I want the truth with all due respect, essentially, Bernard says. And he's like, I did tell you the truth, but it's a little bit different. So he goes on to tell the story about how for three years we lived here before a single guest ever came to the park, me, some engineers, and my partner. Arnold, of course. My business partners were happy to scrub him from the records. We don't know why, but we know they did. Well, you know he did some crazy shit. He's going to talk about that right now. So our hosts passed the Turing test in one year. Yeah, and they look great. They look just as good as the robots we see now. Yes. Just saying. But Arnold wanted more. He wanted the real thing. He wanted to create consciousness. Before we get into this like whole story that he's going to tell, can we just... For one minute, stop and talk about how amazing young Anthony Hopkins looks. Unfucking believable. I mean, can you believe this? Unfucking believable. I've never seen anything like this. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, they got a lot of old Anthony. I I, I read like part of an interview. Um, I think it was Entertainment Weekly, and they were like, "Hey, Anthony Hopkins has been acting forever. We had a lot of material to draw from to make sure it was realistic, which is true. It's but incredible. damn. Yep, I love it. He, he starts to talk about this consciousness creation. He imagined it as a pyramid, memory on the bottom, improvisation next, self-interest at the top was empty, and then he brings up the bicameral, how do you say it? Bicameral mind? I don't know how to say it. Sure. Um, so Arnold built the hosts to hear their programming as inner monologue. That is fascinating as hell to me. Basically, he thought eventually their own voice would take over. Right. So now they are aware of what they're thinking. A way to bootstrap consciousness, I believe, he says. Ford says that Arnold didn't account for, one, you don't want these to be conscious, right? Something like that. And two... Yeah. You don't want them to be conscious. That's the last thing you want. And what was the second thing? Was that some of these people started to think the voices in their head were gods talking to them. Something beyond. Correct. Being spoken to by God. Sure. And Bernard's response is lunatics. Right. So there's this this article on um, inverse.com where it actually talks about the bicameral mind okay. and explains what's next for Westworld. So I'm going to read a little bit of it because I think it's pretty incredible. It says, um, intro, uh, in introdu- I'm going to skip ahead here. In introducing the concept, Westworld writers make it clear that the show's artificial intelligent robots aren't breaking out of pre-programmed bondage because of a glitch. They're breaking out because of their exposure to increasingly complex language. They are being given the code mankind developed over millennia on parchment and papyrus. Not only does this explain why one of Westworld's most powerful engineers is so furtive about providing a bot with access to Lewis Carroll, it explains why the show seems to vacillate between literary and technological ideas at breakneck speed. In short, bicameralism as a concept organizes the show's key ideas into a narrative line. Uh, and he goes on, the theory of bicameral mind is name checked in the third episode of Westworld and a character immediately suggests that it's been debunked, has it? Um, it's never really debunked, just ignored. That's how I would put it. It's definitely not mainstream, and it's definitely not considered something that is widely accepted in academia. What are the key differences between bicameral mind and a human brain? 
When we're talking about Bakaram Man, we're talking about this period after language develops, but before we learn consciousness. In lieu of an introspective mind space, we're hearing a commanding voice when we have decisions to make. As language gets more complex through metaphor, we develop the ability to have introspection, and little by little, these hallucinations are suppressed. So what's cool about this, and, and this goes on and on, I'm not going to go any deeper than that, but what I think is so fascinating about this is this theory that this primitive man that we once were had thoughts and assumed that those thoughts were possibly given to them by some sort of omnipotent being, the clouds, the sky, the sun, the fucking moon, whatever, not having the linguistics internally to extrapolate what the fuck that meant. And that's crazy because it's playing out in the show. And I think that that is very cool. It's just an awesome theory. I like it a lot. And I highly recommend checking this article out. If you, if you just Google inverse article Westworld, it's written by a man named Andrew Berman. I want to credit him. He wrote it on October 17th, so only yesterday, as of the recording of this, which is obviously the 18th. So check it out. It's cool. There's a lot of awesome stuff to read about in there where they start to differentiate God voice from the self, and um, it's, it's incredible. And it talks about how evolution of linguistics and language help you wrap your head around the idea of ideas. In the simplest way that I can talk about it, it's like the, and I've said this before on the science fiction film podcast, it's this idea of trying to explain the germ to the medieval mind. You know, the medieval mind just thought God was punishing them. They didn't right. realize that if they had a microscope, they could see these invisible fucking creatures that were tiny that you just can't see because of the limitations of your human eye. So you can't even conceptualize that with a medieval brain. You would need to develop these modern things to even imagine it. And I like to think about that sometimes just as it relates to human consciousness. I wonder, is there something out there in the fucking cosmos that we don't even conceptualize because we're fucking basically humping monkeys? There's a lot of things that it, when you study um, language and like language acquisition device and all that stuff, when you study like kind of like basic psychology of the idea that if you don't have a word for something, it doesn't exist. Like, I like the importance it. of language. Sure. Um, in, in all kinds of weird theories with things like that. Like if you don't know that a chair exists and you don't have a word for it, does it exist? Like right. it's, it's really interesting shit. They, they do this with in Star Trek Next Gen with data. They talk about, you know, there's a, there's a particular episode. He's speaking to Jordy and, and he says, what is, what is, what is anger feel like? And what Jordy keeps doing is using other emotions to describe that emotion. And data just keeps drilling back the question. Well, what does that feel like? Well, what does that feel like? And he's like, can you explain it without referencing these other things that I don't understand because I don't feel them? And that's what we're talking about here. It's this lack of language because you don't experience that thing. So you can't articulate it and you're not, you, you, your mind is underdeveloped to where you don't get it. It's wild. And it's awesome to see it playing out here with artificial intelligence. It's a uh, fucking mind-blowing shit. Anyway. Ford says that Arnold didn't understand that this place was supposed to be a place where the powerless can come and essentially exert power, right? Yeah. The least we could do for the hosts, he says, showing that he does feel something for them, is allow them to forget. But Arnold's programming endured. What happened to Arnold? And he's a bit dodgy here. Well, he died here in the park. Died here in the park. Oh, his search for consciousness consumed him entirely. He only spoke to hosts. In his alienation, he saw something in them, something that wasn't there. I think it's important. He had a tragic personal history. He says. Yes. His personal life was, was marked with tragedy. Mm. And then this all began. 
Are we drawing lines between Arnold and Bernard? Personal tragedy? Maybe. Yes. Okay. Um, it, but Some I think similar that, flaws? I think that Humanizing these things? That's an important thing. That Arnold came here. He's like, cool, I'm doing this thing. But he has this personal tragic backstory. He doesn't have this family he talks to. He doesn't even talk to the other workers. He just talks to the host. He's interested in their consciousness and how real they are. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if he had a supportive family and like no like random deaths of children in his family or whatever tragedy he went through, maybe he wouldn't have been so crazy. Which brings us to what I like to call the virtual Skype roundtable. Uh, oh, oh, well, well. We'll hang on to that. Yeah, we're not going to get there yet. Um, so anyway... Ford says they called it an accident, but Arnold was very careful. I so, love that. I love that too. Love that line. This makes me excited for more about Arnold's past. Sure. And where, what happened to him, what this has to do with the accident 30 years ago, whatever sure. it may be, because I assume they're connected. Now, Ford does tell Bernard, and this is very on the nose if we're supposed to be drawing parallels, the hosts are not real. You mustn't make Arnold's mistake. Mm-hmm. Point blank. And then Ford brings up his dead son. It weighs heavily on you, blah, blah, blah. He just sort of brings it up. And then we go to Bernard Skype's roundtable. Bernard's Skype roundtable. Pardon me. I can talk. I'm on a podcast. All right. Before we talk about the roundtable, can we bring up another theory that the internet's real high on that I'm going yes. to debunk immediately? Go. The man in black is Arnold's. Go ahead, chat. Tell me how you think that that's the case. Why are you fighting with the chat? Are you all ready? Why don't you fight with the internet? Mm-mm. The chat are your friends. Well, this isn't. I'm going to use the internet to back me up. But yes, the internet says, maybe Arnold is the well, man in black. you're going to use the internet, make sure you oh, credit I, the I got author it. and the EW. website. Okay. Okay. Entertainment Weekly did an interview with um, the creators of the show. Okay. The the Mr. Uh, Jonathan Nolan yep. and his wife. Okay. Whose name is like Lisa Joy or something. Entertainment Weekly. And the author should be at the top there. Jesus, then I'm going to have to go back and find the spot yep. in the thing. So you can do I do your due diligence. You can say it after. So annoying. James Hibbard. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. All right. Now I got to find the part in the article again. Entertainment Weekly says, we also learned about Arnold in this episode. Is there any chance we'll ever see Arnold in any form? Nolan says, I think that's unlikely. I know it's not and, a flat out no. It's also inaccurate immediately because they show an image of him, right? My Doesn't own, he show him a picture and he says. Oh, yeah. The picture of him and the. Yeah. That's I mean. any form whatsoever. Okay. But you, what yes, they're asking is, are I'm we going to see Arnold as a person? Are we going to see him in flashbacks? Are we going to see a lot of him? You see the man in black. Yep. Technicalities, my dear. Well, I'm just saying. Mm. Lonestar says, side note, because Nolan would totally give you fucking spoilers in an interview. He's very mad at you. He said fucking Me spoilers. Me and Lone Star are real on opposite ends here. And yeah. one of us will be right or neither of us will be right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? So I'm just saying when you flat out say no, that's not the truth. I concur. And then it is the truth. Like, weren't you being dodgy? Like, isn't he better off to say like, oh, mate, isn't he better off to do like the Walking Dead? Like, maybe we'll <laughs> see him. Maybe we'll see parts of him one day. Maybe we'll see him as a zombie or just like, um, you know, Linda Loft did making fun of the Walking Dead about uh, the leftovers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see his jogging pants again one day. It's, it's the same thing. I got just you. Saying. So Bernard Skype round. <sighs> I better table. stop saying just saying because now the chat is really getting just on me. saying. They talk about their dead son. They're discussing memories. It's, of course, Zoe from Firefly, which is badass. Yeah, I don't know what her name is supposed to be, but I wrote Zoe. I don't know when she got overwash. I don't know why she's with this other dude, but whatever. Well, let's be careful of spoilers. I just said I don't know when she got over him because she's apparently married to Bernard. When I first wake up, I forget where I am. What I am, Bernard says. I reach over, half expecting to find him there next to me, between us. So when I first wake up, I forget where I am. We've seen that this whole show with the hosts. They wake up and there's a bit of confusion. So Bernard's whole family are hosts. No, but I do like the idea that 
because we don't actually see physical contact between him and his family, this whole memory could be bullshit. If, oh, if, sure. if Bernard is, in fact, a host, this could be like any other memory, complete bullshit. Who knows? I don't know. It seems a little too obvious, and they had to know people were going to speculate their pants off with this show, and that's what's happening. So let's discuss the fact that they're, you rotate off the job. Yes, they did He's mention He's in a communication that. room talking to his wife, ex-wife, separated wife. employees in there. There's multiple people and they're talking at the same time having personal conversations, mm -hmm. which means you don't have privacy. You don't have a cell phone in your room you can use to call somebody. This is like a serious sequestering process you have to go through to contact somebody. Sure. And it's obviously very public. Assuming you can't have private conversations, they need to um, you know, keep their material safe, I assume, is, uh, yeah. is what this... I, I would imagine privacy is, is a bit of a luxury here. She talks about how sorry you couldn't get in touch with her sooner, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Where are we? Some sort of communication room. Uh, no. Where are we? Where is this park? We don't know. It, I it know. could be on uh, fucking Jupiter. That's what I'm trying to say. Could be anywhere. Or like I'm starting to think that we're not we're off this planet. Maybe it's in Westeros. That no. Westeros no. does not have Westworld. Okay. Don't be crazy. I really am starting to think in this episode really made me think it rotate off. Like I'm starting off to think these world. fucking people are on another planet. Would make I'm starting to think this is real sci fi. I like it. Would could possibly Mars, everyone in the chat says. Could be moon. I haven't read this theory yet, so I'm just coming up with this all on my own. Didn't yeah. even steal it from the internet, but apparently it is an internet theory in that. They well, think that's on Mars. just the way they, that you, everything we think of, someone else has already I mean, one day of. I'll There's probably think of, of something listening. original. Uh, millions of people watching the show. So, so does gonna... anybody have an original thought? Nope. All right. We're just fucking robots. Um, the pain is all I have left of him, he says. But yeah, I like your style. I like the rotate on and off idea. The, the way the chat room is like that's like when you see shows of people in space the martian communicating with somebody on earth it's a video screen in a room right True. yeah uh, even moon yeah and if they are in fact hosts the ro the, the the memories of rotating off world could be bullshit if some of them are hosts which i'm sure some of them are i think we'll find out but i'm just i i can't even get into figuring out which one which ones of them are real and which ones aren't right all right, let's move over to Elsie and Stubbs again. They continue to track their stray. They, they discuss the carving of the Orion constellation. He wasn't programmed to give a shit about the stars, she says. Elsie spots the stray while making water. And then of was course, she peeing? Yeah. See, I like totally like block out things about people making water in shows now because of all the, all the horrible teasing I got. Game of Thrones. Well, for those of you who don't know, Jessica did not know what making water meant. She thought literally combining hydrogen and oxygen. Not actually taking a piss. Wrong. I thought it was taking water like from a lake and boiling it so it was drinkable like they do <laughs> on Survivor. Okay? okay. I didn't think about combining elements. You're talking about some apocalyptic survival shit. Or being on a television reality television job. People make water. So, literally make water. They don't literally make water. They boil water to They make it clean. Contaminants. Yeah. They don't make it. They're not, they're not fucking setting up their labs on the, your TV show. But anyway, they, um, oops, I just lost my place. Where was I? God damn they it. found I the stray, the making water. She now sees we're going to Teddy. In the cavern, yep. Or in the chasm, I wrote. So Teddy's hunt for Wyatt. Uh, they talk, they stalk around at night, the three of them, uh, him, the sheriff, and the, the, the female. Nameless uh, woman. Uh, the, the, nameless, oh, the nameless female um, guest. Uh, guest trips on barbed wire. We hear crazy smoke monster roaring. Sheriff gets stabbed with a fucking saber. A saber. Stabbed with a saber. Is yeah. that really? It's a saber? A saber. A cavalry saber is what it looked like to me, dear. I happen to be an expert on these things. Obviously. My name is Sean. Uh, they're wearing creepy masks. A firefight, of course, breaks out. I love this scene. It's creepy. I love the masks. 
Um, I love it that it happens at night. Only Teddy and the woman remain. Teddy tells her to run. Teddy gets killed, of course. Oh, my God. Fucking brutally. Brutal. The sheriff gets run through first. The chick splits. And then... Um, Poor Teddy. He just this, dies every fucking day. There's this weird moment day. where he's getting closed in on and he starts fanning the hammer when he's shooting them. And they seem totally unfazed, which I wrote... I just put a check mark as suspicious. Suspicious. Why he shot into them and they didn't seem to care. Yeah, that was pretty weird. Like, are they humans? I don't know. Did, like, Ford, like, make these new people, like, magical and they can't get hurt? Um, uh, were they wearing bulletproof vests? Do they have those in Westworld? I don't. They might. Mm-mm. We don't know, Dean. We don't know anything. We can only make guesses. It's true. So it could be those things, but it is suspicious. I agree. It was suspicious as fuck. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure he just ripped a bunch of rounds into these jerk offs and none of them are hurt. Wild. Or did they even get like a bruise? Like that one time that William got a bruise when he got shot. They, they, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't break stride. They did not break stride. So he gets killed, of course. And Typical um, Teddy, always LC, getting killed. Yep, Elsie leaves Bernard a message. Uh, some crazy shit's going on. I like the way the phone works, where it's, it's awesome. like her voice like saying shit and the words. She's like, hey, Bernard, um, so this Trey is doing crazy shit, and it's like he got an idea. It's like he had an idea, and he went somewhere. So mm. call me back. Stop being Teresa, whatever the fuck her name is. Oh, and hey, Bernard, before I hang up real quick, do me a favor. Can you pull Clementine for a cleaning? Yeah, I got a just, I think she might have talked do me, to Arnold. Hey, do me a favor. Pull Clementine for a cleaning and just put her in my room. I'll take care of it. Yeah. So Bernard and Dolores, um, I need your help. I need to decide what to do with you. Right? He brings her in. Yep. I think I made a mistake, he says to her. I think it would have been better if I restored you. Is something wrong with me? Nope. Your Dolores voice is terrible. This place is terrible for you. Some people choose to see the ugliness in the world. And he says, no scripted responses. Improv only. I'm changed. Imagine there are two versions of yourself. One that feels these things and asks questions, and one that asks questions. Which one would you rather be? I said that wrong. I don't know what you just said. Um, <laughs> I don't understand. She says, there are two versions of me. There is only one. When I discover who I am, I will be free. Bernard did not expect that shit. Yes. I love that, that what she says. Which version of yourself do you want to be? Right. She's like, there's only one version. When I figure out who I am, I'm going to be free. Duh. Right. And that, that sentence is so powerful. I will be free. He's like, wait a second. Do you even know what that means? Outside of your loop, outside of your programming. Uh, what prompted that? I don't know. Have I done something wrong? No, this is incredibly important to me. He puts her in analysis mode mm-hmm. and says, what prompted that response? And she says, I don't know. Right. When you're in analysis mode, I don't know should not be ever come out of your you mouth. You sound like Teresa. <laughs> she's in analysis mode, Bernard, and she's fucking asking why you're fired. You're right. I agree with you. Well, then why did you make fun of me? Because it's funny to me. It, it, it entertains me. It makes me laugh on the inside. Just trying to point out an important thing in the show. Sorry. You did. And you did a good job. I give you two stars. Good. Evolution forged the entirety of sentient life on this planet using only one tool. A mistake. Because she said, did I make a mistake? So, of course, Ford's teachings come back. It appears you're in good company. Did I tell you about how I taught Charlie how to swim? He was scared to, uh, of course, this is a metaphor for this whole thing with Dolores. He was scared to let go. I was scared to let him go. But I had to. That's what parents do. So he says, get right back in there. Don't tell anybody. Stay on your loop. Go. So he's pushing Dolores out to swim in her new sea of consciousness. Beautiful, right? 
Yes, and I, I like... He can't help himself. Bernard cannot fucking help himself. I love that. Despite going against Ford's wishes. She's still human to him. Absolutely. Um, you should be getting back before someone misses you. Um, somebody said earlier, like maybe he's sneaking her somewhere like in the middle of a narrative or whatever. I just think that that's a, a, a code word, yeah. just like anything else is that they can say something and something happens. They can just make them freeze by saying certain things. Sure, I, like I feel like this is a code that starts a loop. Yep. I concur. Cause he said it to her every single time you he should be sent her back. back or something. Yeah. He says, you should be getting back Dolores before someone misses you every time. So we go to the nighttime where she sees one of the deputies return. She asks about Teddy. He's like, you better fucking hope Teddy's dead. He oh, says boy. the following. If there is a merciful God, God mentioned again, God number two, those men are dead already. So Dolores writes home. She By herself? Uh, yes. No Teddy, no friends. No. Father wouldn't let them roam this close to dark. But she pauses, she pauses partway through. Like she realizes thinks. something is off. And what's off is she's never by herself in this scenario, Correct. I don't think. I don't think we ever see Dolores getting home by herself in this scenario. The pause was almost like a deja vu to me. Like, wait a second. This This has happened before. Familiar. Right. But something is off. Right. So she charges off to the massacre. Rebus is there. With that guest from before. Yep. Dolores has some memories of Abernathy and New Daddy, a little super imposing of faces. Yep. Her dead dad's on the ground and she has a flash to Abernathy. Violent lights. He's, Reba says to her, um, no daddy or boyfriend to interrupt this time. And she repeats, interrupt this time. Sure. Like she's really putting thought into what he said. Right. So. Because she, he's talking about earlier this morning. Yes. When they interrupted. But she's thinking. Past times. Exactly. Yes. So she's recalling, again, like a computer, when you wipe a hard drive, the information's still there. If you are, if you are somebody who understands computer forensics, you can wipe your hard drive, but they're still going to find your weird porn. So you probably should just burn it. Um, like I did that one time. I mean, you should at least <laughs> wipe it. Like, don't be like the weird murderers who like Google, like, how do you murder your wife with poison? And they don't even clear their browser history. Like, make it hard for them, at least, if you're yeah. going to murder somebody. Yeah. Uh, a podcast don't make with it, some bro who did that. What don't, a make it, don't make it something he can solve before lunch. I mean, make him earn that money. Yeah, I just listened about some guy who poisoned his wife and he like Googled all that shit and he didn't even like clear his history. And he like took computer classes. Like what a tool. Yeah, well, sometimes Make it hard work. Sometimes they're dumb. Um, so Reba drags her to the barn. He takes her. She has his pistol this time. That's what it seemed like the way they shot it because he's like, wait, where's my gun? It made it seem like she grabbed it from him in the struggle. I don't know. He, he looks down at his hip like, fuck, I don't have a gun. I didn't. I don't know. I. I didn't. I'm not sure. I'm that just. That could saying. be true, but I just never thought that. Because it wasn't like she conjured that shit into her hand. No, or, but she or, did find a gun earlier. We saw her find a gun in one scene. Where did right. she put it? We know she found a gun. She dug it up. Sure. She put it somewhere. Sure. Is that that same gun? That's what I assumed. And it's very easy that she could have gone. I remembered in this haystack where this shit's going to go down. I'm going to put the fucking gun in the haystack. Right. Right. And maybe he just got careless with his own pistol, thinking, ah, fuck, I don't have it with me, because he he, he was unarmed accidentally. He obviously went to the house armed. Um, It's possible she planted it there because of a residual memory Mm -hmm. of being assaulted on the head. Because we know she found a gun, we haven't seen it yet, so maybe this is that. Awesome. And then, of course... He's amused when she points the gun at him, because she can't pull the trigger. Right. Now, is, is he amused because... Maybe his program leaks through and he knows that that's true. Or is he just amused because he's going through the storyline? He's amused because he's going through the storyline. Okay. Like there's no, a, you see some little girl and you're like, oh, like she's going to shoot me. Like he's a big tough guy. He thinks he's going to win. He's I not like scared it. of her. All right. All right. So 
she trains it on him. She sees the man in black for a minute. She, she flashes hears. to the man in black. The usual barn scene. He has a knife in their normal bar- barn scene, not mm-hmm. a gun. Mm-hmm. And he's holding a knife. Let's reacquaint ourselves. I'll start from the beginning. Kill him, she hears in her mind. Whose voice do you think that was? Her own? Arnold's. I don't fucking know. I have a feeling that if we're going to go with this whole bicameral mind thing, that her hearing kill him could be the beginning of her evolution of, is that a voice from beyond or my own thought, right? The idea of her hearing kill him and not really comprehending it gives weight to the discussion earlier about the bicameral mind and the prone of man thinking these voices were godlike that came down from some unknown thing versus a clue from somebody. I think it could be her not really understanding and that's why the voice sounded a little bit different. Sure, yeah. I think maybe as the as this show goes on, maybe it'll start to become obvious that she is thinking that herself in doing the action versus receiving this idea from someone else. But in the meantime, that voice is probably literally every other voice like superimposed like, yeah, to make up. it so that sure. we can't figure out whose sure. voice it was. They ain't fucking stupid. But it's cool. I like the idea of bringing the, that back into the fold and her having this idea that is... Uh, an idea that will help her and of course she shoots Reba's dead in the neck kill him so she does she shoots him mm-hmm. she rushes out of the barn and now this is against her programming she couldn't pull a trigger to hit a piece of wood earlier correct so she rushes out of the barn mom's dead yes a guy yells to Dolores he does and he says I don't fucking remember what he said but he tells her to stop essentially and mm-hmm. he shoots her so she gets shot in the belly so she's tried to escape this here's what I think She's tried to escape this before and failed, got shot and died. Had a memory of that. Or, or got shot. Well, she died. We didn't see her die. We saw her get shot. Okay, but I'm giving you okay, my opinion. Yeah, got shot and died. I think she got shot and was thwarted in her escape. They shut her off. They brought her back. This time, she's like, wait, I get shot here if I don't get on the horse and run immediately. Because she does, and the guy tries to shoot her. So I'm thinking what we're seeing here is her remembering getting shot in the past and fucking and fucking up and going, wait, I don't want to get shot again this time. I'm going to jump on the horse and fucking run, which is what she does to get away, right? Right. So that's what I'm thinking happens here. And we're going to talk about Stubbs and Elsie, but I really want to go right to the William thing right now and we'll close out with Stubbs and Elsie. Oh God, we're going to end the show with Stubbs and Elsie? Why well, I just kill myself now? Just kidding. It's fine. You don't like Elsie. We get it. Um. So. <laughs> Listen, if I'm not going to outwardly hate somebody, what's the point of even listening to this podcast? That's true. So Logan makes a white hat joke and then Dolores stumbles to the camp and William catches her. Okay. Okay. Now this lens, if we're thinking about your idea, this could potentially, does this, does this help or hurt your theory? Because this could be an old memory of her is now there are two things. Is she, they, they, they make her midriff pretty covered. Is she wounded? We don't know. Is she wounded from getting shot in a prior iteration that she avoided? That she's remembering. Two minutes ago. That she was remembering earlier. She was remembering this previous thing. Right. We Because she avoids the guy by hopping on the horse and taking off. Now, are we to believe that when she runs into William that she's playing out one where she was shot in the past? Possibly. Because she stumbles to the camp. Is she exhausted from riding? I don't think so. I think because she walks to camp, she's not on the horse. She gets on the horse and escapes. Two minutes totally ago. Totally uninjured. But when she gets shot the other time, she's not going to have the strength to climb on her fucking horse. She just stumbles away because the human was probably like, I don't know. I shot her. What am I going to do? I'm going to run away. I'm scared. I shot a girl. I'm, I'm new at West. No, Ford. it was it was not a human that shot her. It was um, it was a, it was a host. OK, I wonder we're not finish her, but I don't want to get pulled off in the weeds and that. But anyway, are, so is it possible that this is a wounded memory of her finding William? 
which could lend credence to it's an older timeline. Sure. And and I'm just going to throw this out there because people are going to say, no, you can tell. You can't see the wound in her belly. It's hard. If it's I, I'm sorry. If we're not directly going from Dolores being in the current timeline to her and William, until mm-hmm. I see actual evidence of a current timeline timeline that William's in, it, they could be playing with anything. J.J. Abrams loves time Absolutely. travel. Okay, this could have been any iteration of any time that anything has happened to Dolores. We don't fucking know. Just because she's wandering through the woods and passes out. This could have been some totally different random story from 30 years ago that we don't know anything about. Correct. I can. They're making it look as if it's a continuation from the previous scene. But if we have the cut in between, Mm -hmm. there's no actual evidence that they can still fuck with it. Right. And I, I rewound and paused and rewound and paused and I looked for we blood. Did. We I looked thought for blood I saw some. Hard. I thought I saw some, but I wasn't a hundred percent. Right before they cut from Logan right to her, and when she and, and they're being they're being very deliberate with the framing of the shot, not showing her whole body until they start to zoom away as they pull out. They're very very careful. Right. So I don't know. It's very possible that we're seeing her stumble into William is is just a way to throw us off the scent thinking, oh, she's exhausted from escaping. Well, maybe not. Maybe one of those memories of her being shot in the belly is a very old memory, right, of her being shot in the belly. Certainly, and and that's what we're seeing is how that original memory she had played out. Correct. It could also be totally fucking unrelated to the scene we saw before, and that's why we had the cut in the middle and went back to Elsie and Stubbs as opposed to going directly to the scene with William. I agree. That cut is there for a reason, and it's not earlier for a reason. I I can Dramatically, normally, we're going to keep these things together. Why do we have a random Elsie in the middle? Just saying. Right. Okay. Here is when I will shut up about the theory. Are you ready? There are three ways. Way number one. one. He's in the same scene as Maeve. Name them. Rule number two. He's in the same scene as Teddy. Rule number three. You're saying he is the man in black. He is in William. Okay, start over again. There are three ways I will totally jump off this theory. And there is follows. And what is the theory? Just in case somebody The theory that William is the man in black okay. and that we're in the past. Okay, go. He's in the same scene as Maeve. The same scene as Teddy or with the man in black. Okay. If I see him interact with any of those people or in any way, like if I see Dolores remember the man in black when she's with William, right? then then I'm done. I move on. Okay. But until then, I watched Lost for six years of my life. Okay? I know the type of shit that we can make happen. There you go. So there. Yep. And when we were watching, I said, well, your theory's not totally trashed yet because if she's in fact holding a wound here from being shot in the belly and then finding William. Then she's who's quote unquote definitely in the past. Adding. That's definitely in the past because right. we know that she was remembering getting shot as a past memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good shit. So let's talk about this crazy shit with the stray. All right. I guess we'll go back so to that. Stubbs <laughs> repels down into the chasm. Elsie puts the stray in sleep bone, but not really. And then fucking Stubbs is just like, let's go all ISIS on this bitch. And he starts sawing his head off. Hey, what's in here? Uh, Stray wakes up, fights back. The Stray climbs up and then smashes his ho- his own head into a pulp. Now, one of the things we talked about while watching this, Jess, was is he sawing his head off just because it's easier? They've traveled so far. Yeah, we... I mean, is that why they're doing it? Because he's fucked anyway. They just need to get his head back to examine the, the, the contents of the hard drive or the, the actual processing. Yeah, this was weird. easier I don't to know. retrieve than the it, whole body. It made me think of like, I know, like... But if you have like an animal, it's like a rabies suspect. Jesus Christ. No, I'm, I'm serious though, but I'm serious. Okay. If you, you suspect an animal has rabies and it gets euthanized, its head off. you cut its head off and you send the head out for testing and dead. you keep the rest of the body in the fridge until right. it can be. That's done because the, because you have to test brain matter. 
Right. Right. So as opposed to shipping an entire animal to wherever we ship them to, or wherever anyone ships them right. to test for rabies, you cut their head off. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I get it. You're saving on fucking packaging. So I wonder if this is a similar <laughs> idea. No, you no. Need to use less popcorn. Listen, if you have a uh, hundred pound dog, are you going to ship that wrap. out? Like, let's just ship out its head. Less, less bubble wrap for mittens. I'm just saying, less bubble wrap for mittens if you have to ship just her head for a rabies testing. So in this case, less bubble wrap for the tray, or in this case, less humping. They got to fucking carry this guy yeah, back. Yeah, uh, so I'm saying Fuck maybe that. it's a similar idea. Plus he's That's down in the chasm. Need. How are they going to get him out? I think it's just purely logistics. They're like, we're not going to drag this guy out of the cliff, carry him all the way back. And they just away. need his head because I was going to give him enough information. Right. I agree. Just like we shipped out animals' heads. What do you think about the stray taking on a decision to, first of all, he fights back and then smashes his own head. And it's almost this like, is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, holy. So... At first I was going to kill Elsie and I was like, all right, I'm cool with this. But then instead something crazy happened. Right. I like it. So here's some important things. Go. This is a host that's going crazy. Yes. The host could not hurt Elsie because Elsie is human. It didn't hurt subjects pushed him away. But it did. But does that count? I don't know. That's it? a good question. I just no, think that's something to pay seen, attention to. Yeah, but we've seen the man in black actually get grappled. <clears throat> he got grappled when, when he when he brought when he went after that guy who had the rope around his neck. He fought off all he fought off all his cousins and then. As they were talking, the guy grabbed them and he kind of stumbled. He had to turn around all right, and fight all right, back. Point. So I was just trying to say something, no, but I was wrong. There's nothing there. Sorry. But I think the fact that he couldn't, didn't do anything to Elsie might mean that Elsie's a human. What I, it, it seemed like his imperative was I need to destroy my, my processing plant and I need to get away from Stubbs because Stubbs will, will fucking my head mess off me up. So I'm going to, I'm going to move away from him to where I have time to smash my own head in. Or maybe he was going to smash Elsie with the rock and his programming kicked in. I don't know. Maybe. But whatever it was, they don't want... The stray doesn't want the information in his brain to be recovered, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. That self-annihilation shit is wild. I agree. Pretty cool. So, um, and he's wounded and he's fucked up. And yeah, in the chat, they're asking, um, why crush your own head rather than just run? Programming. It's something in the programming. Something in the program. There's something very interesting about the fact that he does this. Yep, because... I think the reason is is because he knows he can't get away. He's going to get caught. And yep. I think specifically they want his head because they can go and do whatever testing they want to do on just his head. And there's something in him that knows that. Mm -hmm. And maybe if his head is all smooshed like that, they can't get the information they want. Right. What's insane about that is it doesn't have that instinct until they zero in on him because otherwise it's doing something. We'll probably find some clues down in that chasm as to where it was trying to go, what what adventure it was on. Didn't but, just fall in like, who? whoopsies, this isn't it, like 127 hours. Like, oh, <laughs> shit, my arm's stuck. We're going to make an hour move, an hour and a half movie about this now. Right. I like it. I like it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the episode. Some good shit this week, boy. I'll tell you, I really enjoyed uh, this week's episode. I think we're going to uh, bang out a couple of listener comments and then oh, what we will do. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Do a couple listener comments and then we will. Uh, Wait, is Marcos Pierre Rios um, in the chat, right? Yeah, That's Lone Star. Lone Star yeah. Right. yeah. I was just looking at his comment. We're going to move on past that. You're not going to read it? No. <laughs> okay. I'll read it. Uh, Marcos Pierre Rios says, and Dolores proves there's only one timeline. The man oh, in black God. is not William. Sorry, Jess, but most likely Arnold. Still no clarity on the whole religion thing, but I'm sure that's coming quick. What's going with the gang? What's going with that gang that ambushed Teddy? I don't know. I don't know there, Lone Star. They weren't going down with the gunshots. Ah, he noticed that too. Cool. 
finally, man, does Ford have a creepy-ass office? Although I would love a piano-playing droid in my house. I concur, Mr. Rios. I would also like a piano-playing droid in my house. Um, so he says he doesn't think so. Yeah, we know. We know that's what he says. Jessica, who you want to read? I just want to read one brief thing, which is going to bring up some discussion, which is from Jason Tick, who says, and what about the possibility of Bernard being a robot version of Arnold and not realizing it? Mm, some of the responses. Um, Alan Michael says, I found it a little odd how his son's death was mentioned by Ford when just a few scenes ago we see him do some something similar when uploading a new narrative for Teddy. Ah. Um, so, and then Fiona asks, perhaps Ford's planting thoughts into Bernard. That's a possibility. So, what do you think about all this? I think that that's a really interesting theory. Um, and, and certainly possible. I know we say, but then again, this goes to this. Oh, but that makes sense. If he's a robot version of Bernard, we're not actually seeing Bernard. We're seeing a robot version of him. So, I guess that's okay. Yep. Um, I think that's a very interesting theory since we obviously see that Bernard is making similar mistakes to Arnold. And perhaps Bernard just reminds Ford of Arnold. But it's it's... It's not a bad theory. We know that somebody on Mars is going to be a host, and it's sure. just a question of who. Somebody on Mars. Um, I want to discuss Kelly Beam's Mars. response to this, where she says um, she believes that the man in black uh, equals Arnold, is that Ford said that Arnold died in the park, and the man in black essentially said, in a sense, I was born here. That line, in a sense, I was born here, could also refer to a metaphorical birth of William going from white hat to black hat as well. But I do like her thought process where she says it could be an Obi-Wan from a certain point of view thing going on. The good man that was Arnold dies and he becomes man in black, question mark. Sure, the good man that was William dies and he becomes the man in black. It's true. But unfortunately, they did say in an Entertainment Weekly interview that that's not true. No iteration on Arnold, yeah. Yeah, well. And sure, they could be lying, but still, they could not be lying. They could be telling the truth. Oh my God! Oh, look, Ian George said what I was saying. He says, "Why are the hosts always naked when they when the the staff talk to them? Is it so the staff see them as objects, not people?" Yes, no, I think right. that's exactly right, uh, Mister Ian George. And then he says, "Dolores is never naked with Bernard, though, because he sees her as a real person." Which Boom! Is a very, Ian George. Very, very good point. Headshot, motherfucker! All right, final thoughts on this week's episode, Jessica. Go. I like this episode a lot. I'm very excited about next week. I really, really want to see more interactions between William and Dolores and get to the bottom of the theories and the internet and the world. And also, I just want to see them interact more. If William is not the man in black, William is very important and there's something different and special about him. And I want to know what it is because there's got to be something. Do you understand? Yep. He's He can't just be some random guest who's in the park and he's going to bond with Dolores. There has to be more to it. Or else, why are we spending so much time on him? I concur. He's not meaningless to the to the plot. Um, I don't think that the I don't I'm not sure the men in black and William are the same guy, but it doesn't mean that we're not seeing some past iterations of Dolores through William's POV. It's possible that something William does is going to uh, there's a relationship between the man in black, William and Logan and Dolores. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but they are going to play into each other. I really like the subtle introduction of religion last week and the uh, mention of God at least twice in this week's episode. And we're going to see that start to grow as these uh, hosts start to outgrow their programming and they're going to start to reflect on things like God. Hmm, what does that mean? Um, I like this idea at the end of Dolores hearing kill him in her mind and it going back to the bicameral mind thing. And I know mm -hmm. I'm butchering that word. I apologize. I'm a fucking ape. Um, so... 
there's a lot going on here. Uh, the, the plot thickens on Bernard um, and his shady dealings with Dolores, and uh, the plot thickens on Arnold and Ford and all of their relationships. So much to come. I'm looking forward to talking all about this shit. This was a blast this week. Jessica, what else do you want to say to these good people? So we're going to see you all again next week. And I am hopefully still going to be holding on to my theory and Lone Star Kiss. Hopefully (laughs) going to make fun of me some more. Perfect. All right. Thanks for tuning up and listening. Tuning up. Tuning in. And tuning in. Thanks for tuning up uh, your car. Thanks for tuning in (laughs) and listening. Uh, We had a blast chatting about this week's episode. We're going to go out what we came in on. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.